0: these guys are nothing you hear me they please just like we do yes, sir. they sweat just like we do do you hear me they went through two days we went through two days in 110 degree heat yes, sir. I want you to hit everything to move if the ref gets in your way you hit him okay then let's play but that's team' us too they gives us too this is our team this is us let's go right now let's get it off now let's go Uh, since yesterday we've done quite a bit Uh, we've also had another episode of the raiderland you can check that podcast out later as well as the podcast from this fine show they're at kkam.com radio on demand you can also find the gambling gauchos there with a familiar host on that as well This is the Rob Bro Show. If you want to join us today, you can on the text line, 806-855-3712, 806-855-3712. I am the host. You are the co-host today. Uh, Lots to talk about. We've got the job approval polls, and we'll get into those. I, I was trying to look at the history of those. I thought I started them in 2019. The earliest I can find is from 2020. Um, And I can't find... I'm going to have to find the verbiage I wrote those polls in because I can't find them on Twitter. But I do have the results from 2020. Uh, They're not good. They're not good. I thought I started those polls in 2019, though. Uh, Late in 2019, maybe once or twice, and then made them a weekly thing in 2020. Uh, I'll have to go back and find those polls. Uh, Somebody was asking about them today. But we do have the polls from this year we are tracking. Uh, I do have the polls from last year that we stopped on this date one year ago. Uh, Didn't see the need to keep uh, getting job approvals from coaches who were interims and coaching their last six games or four games, whatever it was. Uh, The writing was on the wall that, The house was being cleaned uh, at uh, this time last year. And I guess it was through seven games. I kind of thought it happened earlier last year. Uh, But that is true. You only had four games left, really, because you hadn't had a buy either. Uh, And maybe that's why I thought it was earlier, because it was before the bye. But, man, going back all the way... If you're looking at Texas Tech, last year, this date, to this year, this date, it feels like about a year and a half. Um, And you look at everything that has changed since then, you specifically look at the recruiting difference going from 70th to 30th last year. Really, 78th to closer to 40, but you like to round up. Last year and year one, in just a couple of months, And then you have what you want to do uh, this year in recruiting, or at least how you want to finish. And you look at that recruiting. That's been very good. Uh, Dare I say a giant improvement on the past recruiting. If you're looking at Texas Tech, and even a a giant recruiting bump for the first time since, I don't know, Tommy Tuberville. People don't like to talk about it, but he was a great recruiter. A lot of talent that you had through the first half of Cliff Kingsbury's tenure came from Tommy Tuberville, Jay Samaro, DeAndre Washington, Jakeem Grant. A lot of those guys were recruited before Cliff even got here. So if you look at what's going on now, a year later after the Matt Wells era ended, and you kind of do a first year in review, is anything worse now? And I'm not going to sit here and say everything is perfect because I do think you have some ups and downs and some things that you can improve on, but overall, I think if you look at the body of work from Joey McGuire and this staff in year one, you're in a really good position. You can see improvement, physical, tangible improvement. A lot of times in the last two eras, you're just saying, yeah, but it feels better now. I know the record's the same, but it just feels different now. I know the recruiting numbers are reflecting the same, but look at these athletes you got. Yeah, but you added six transfers. That's why the recruiting rankings are bad. Well, you didn't need a lot of players. That's why you didn't get a lot of players. You had those qualifications, and now you don't really have to have any of those qualifications to say that there is improvement. You're undefeated at the Jones. You're going to be favored in more games than not to finish the year. Now, you have to go out and do it for the rest of the season to make it a tangible improvement for a total season. But pretty much any metric you prove right now, any, any metric, any stat you pull that is a team-wide stat, maybe not specifically on the field, but any other stat, recruiting metrics, You'll have to beat Baylor to be 5-3 and three through 8 like you were last year. But I think you'll finish stronger. And that's something I want to talk about. Well, let's just get into it now. Uh, the thing with Cliff Kingsbury and Matt Wells is you never finished strong. And I think that's one of the main things that Joey Maguire has to do. For Joey Maguire to be a tangible difference. For Joey Maguire to have a physical year one impactful difference, you have to finish strong because that's where the momentum is. That's where you can find legitimate recruiting momentum to finish a year, to finish a class, to hold a class together, to get that one last flip to start the next class strong if you could win you know three of the three of the last five and finish seven and five in a better bowl game than you've finished in since Patrick Mahomes and when you played LSU or if you could finish four and one and dominate October and November or at least have winning records in October and November. I mean, there's just so much momentum to be had out there for Joey McGuire in year one that I think is much more than I expected. I mean, I expected the team to finish 7-5. and five, And I expected the team to be able to finish strong. What I did not expect is an undefeated home record, even though I picked you to beat Texas. That can be done. What I didn't expect is for TCU to potentially be a top five team in Fort Worth that you could beat. That's on the table. Before the season, I didn't expect you to be able to win a game against Baylor with Patrick Mahomes in the house. That's on the table this weekend. A blackout night game. Iowa State, I thought, would be down this year. A win in Ames on the table. You've not done that in a while. You've never beaten Matt Campbell in Ames. And now that you've beaten Texas on the table for the first time ever is beating Texas and Oklahoma in the same season. Regardless of if that's on the road or at home. I mean, this is all legitimate momentum-building power plays that Joey has on the table. And I'm not saying he's going to do them all. But if you just do a couple of these... If you can just notch a couple of those victories, a couple of those scenarios, then you can finish this season with legitimate momentum into year two. And in a lot of ways, I've called this year a zero year. It doesn't really matter what happens, wins and losses wise. Because of the recruiting momentum, because of what you're doing off the field, but... Now that you're here, now that you're in it. Now that you're 4 and 3. And you see the the being favored against Baylor at home. And you see the opportunity of being 5 and 3 with a chance at TCU. I mean, you could be 6 and 3 and ranked. I don't think anybody expected that. Now, you have to go out and do it, and it starts this weekend against Baylor. But I think you have a really, really good opportunity to beat Baylor. If you've not watched much of Baylor football this year, I think they have a really, really good offense as far as the system goes. They're able to force your eyes into the backfield. They're able to do enough misdirection with their play-action passing game. To create windows and opportunities for Blake Shapin. I think their defensive front seven is good. Maybe even a little underrated with how their secondary is played. And maybe they are figuring some things out. They had a really good start against Kansas. And Kansas came roaring back. But in my opinion, Baylor lost too much last year to be immediately good. And similarly, your whole core came back, pretty much. You lost a couple of linebackers. You lost a great wide receiver. But beyond that, Texas Tech is just in a position this year, better than I think I predicted, to make a run because of a veteran presence in the Big 12. All right, we'll take our first break here. When we come back, we'll talk more about your first memory as a Texas Tech fan. We've got some more off the text line. And we'll also talk about the job approval polls. All very high today. We'll come back after this on the Texas Tech Approval poll day. It's the Rob Rochon Talk 103.9. back it's rob bro talk 103.9 news money sports from the arctic air studios uh pretty soon if your air is just too arctic you can call arctic air uh, to warm you up a little bit i turned uh it was a 69 in my apartment yesterday i turned the heater on to just to 69 just so it didn't get any colder Just testing out to see if the heater is still working, though, really. Um, let's see off the text line uh, where the text go. A couple of catch-up from the pre- previous show. Um, we'll always love the Anthony Merriweather giving Bevo and the Bird horns down in Austin on the Jamie Gill touchdown pass. Giving Bevo the Bird, sorry yes anthony merriweather Uh, in the last year our house has purchased season tickets and dove right into the direction of the program a year after walking out of the kansas state game swearing it was the last six hour drive and 300 bucks a night weekend how wrong i was and that is all with new culture yeah i i think that um And along the same vein, I got another text. I think Joey McGuire has bought himself a three-year honeymoon period, especially if Morton turns out to be another elite quarterback. Um, Yeah, and if if Morton is an elite quarterback, if Baron Morton is what we think he is, um, I don't know that it's even just a honeymoon period as much as he's groomed himself for three good years. Now, let me say this. Because I do want to caution people already. And I know I just spent a whole segment talking about how great it could be um and, and how the momentum can can carry. But as I finished that last segment, I talked about all the 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 Baylor people that left. Uh Jalen Petrie, uh the the linebacker, the defensive end, all those guys left. And then you had the leading rusher couple of receivers, and the starting quarterback for most of the year last year all leave. Um, and it's taken them some time to replace that. Well, if you look at the Texas Tech roster, Tyree Wilson probably won't be here next year. You potentially could lose a couple of defensive linemen beyond that. Pretty much the whole secondary is senior and super senior. You'll return a lot of the offensive line, but there's a a big chance that your defense could be really young next year. Now, you're not losing much off the offense if everything holds, but it could be a transitional year next year, more than even this year, for Joey McGuire. So I, I do think there is a little bit of, you're buying some some stock in Joey McGuire, but it might really be 2024 before you see what it truly can become. Uh, this kind of finishing off the last show, I remember that 87 Miami game. Talk about painful. I think their quarterback was Vincent Testaverde. At one point, he threw a touchdown. That got penalized and backed up 15, then threw another touchdown. That got penalized and backed up another five. He threw a third touchdown. I was hollering, just give the man a touchdown at the TV in the Bledsoe TV Lounge. Oh, man. Uh, This off the text line, I saw that Dallas was getting Raiders defense tackle Jonathan Hankins today. What do you think of that? Does that make the defense even better? Uh, A couple things. Yes, it makes the defense better. Uh, I actually haven't seen what they gave up for him. Um, But, yeah, it makes the defense better. Now, Hankins is coming off an injury. Hankins is not what Hankins was for uh, several seasons there. Uh, But he's a really good run stopper. If he can come in and play first and second down uh, there in the middle, he's a big, large human being. If he can just be a rotational piece and not ask to do much, yes, it makes your defense better. It absolutely does. And if he can just be... You know, a first and second down player to alleviate some of what Odigizawa has to do in the middle, to alleviate some of what Tank Lawrence has to do in the run game, and he can give you, I don't know, 20 to 25 snaps a game, not much, you don't need him to come in and be a three down defensive tackle like he's been in his career. You need him to come in and eat a couple double teams, free up Micah Parsons, free up your other linebackers, and just be a veteran presence that can come in and be a professional. Yes, I think he can help the defense, and he certainly isn't going to hurt the defense. Because you've already experienced a pretty deep front seven And what I think is one of the best front sevens in the league. Mostly because of what DeMarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons are doing. But you also have the rookie Sam Williams who's just been incredible. And has really, really improved in the last six weeks. Uh, I still have some reservations on the Dallas Cowboys offense. But this defense is top of the league. The Dallas Cowboys' defense is top three if you're looking around and just rating defenses. That's why you look at the offseason of the Dallas Cowboys, and again, I'm kind of getting past the season here. I don't know why I'm doing this in October, but Uh. uh, similarly to the Dallas Cowboys uh, of, I don't know, well, a long time ago, uh, you have one coach on the the roster that you think is doing a lot of this, and then you have another coach that isn't doing it. Are you going to move on and make the defensive coordinator the head coach, or are you going to stick with the head coach that is getting it done and let Dan Quinn walk to somebody else? Because he will get a head coaching job. Or are you just going to make him the highest paid defensive coordinator of all time and keep the pair together? I don't know. Uh, but that's going to be a big decision for Jerry Jones. Now, if the Cowboys go ahead and win the Super Bowl, you know, all bets are off, who really cares? You want a Super Bowl, I don't think you're creating a dynasty here. Uh, but beyond the Hankins trade, this just tells tells me that the Cowboys are paying attention and are in it and believe they can win this year. That's what that tells me. That the Cowboys are recognizing deficits on the team, on the roster, and making a push. You probably will see another trade with the Dallas Cowboys for a wide receiver before the deadline. Or, you know, signing OBJ. Which a lot of people hate OBJ. Odell Beckham Jr. I know, I know. He's a cancer. He's too loud. Okay, he's good. (laughs) He's good. He helped the Rams get to the Super Bowl last year. So... If you if you want to go hire a hired gun like that who will be healthy within the month That is something that they could absolutely do. Now, Chiefs, Cowboys, a lot of teams are in on OBJ, but to me the Hankins deal mostly means that the Cowboys are paying attention and the Cowboys are in it and the Cowboys, and not just the Cowboys, the Cowboys front office isn't dead asleep at the wheel and is trying to make this team as good as possible for this season. All right, we'll take the break. When we come back, more Rob show on Talk 103.9 News on eSports. Welcome back. So, Rob Bro show this off the text line wide receiver DJ Moore. Uh, that's from Robert, uh, I believe, talking about the Dallas Cowboys and who they could trade for. Um, oh man, it's a thin line uh, to going all in for this year and separating what you want to do for the future. Um, because it is one thing to go in all all in Uh, but if you go all in for this year you're going to sacrifice the next couple of years uh, like the rams did the rams went all in to win the super bowl against the patriots and lost and it took them a couple of years to get back now they did get back but they had a young core that was kind of with all those guys they went out and bought that season Um, and two of the best defensive players on the planet and Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. Now, similar to what the Cowboys are putting forward, um, so it would be interesting, and DJ Moore would certainly help. Uh, You also have a couple of coming back from injuries. Um, And do you want to go out and get a number one to compete with CeeDee Lamb? And Michael Gallup, the one-two? Or do you want to go get like a Denzel Mims, who would be much cheaper? Or Odell Beckham, who would be free for draft collateral? Or do you want to try to get a DJ Moore and the Panthers, knowing what position they're in, are just asking for elevated draft capital? Because they don't care about getting players in return. And you're also having to pay DJ Moore a huge contract that they gave him last year. So I don't know that DJ Moore makes a lot of sense for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, But he certainly is a guy out there that somebody could go get right now if they're trying to be in position. Now there's another guy, the Giants, I don't know if they would trade him to the Cowboys. But if you can go get like a Canarius Tony, uh for a for a fifth round now again i don't know if the cowboys would even want him because he pretty much does what uh Kevontae turpin does now if you're just looking at the offense why not just put kevante turpin out on offense more uh hey we're we're trying to go trade for a guy who could just take the top off the defense and run some go routes uh kellen he's on the roster Kellen, it's it's Turpin, just put him out there. He's not just a return man. And maybe he's not a polished route runner, but if you say, "Hey, Cavante, go straight," he can do it. And he's not taken one back yet for the Dallas Cowboys, but he was huge in the Lions game. And he will get a return touchdown in either kickoff or a punt this season. I mean, it's coming. It is absolutely coming. Uh, another story that is developing today, uh, kind of breaking last night, developing today. The Texas A&M fight Naggies are in disarray. In absolute disarray. They could finish, you know, out of bowl contention after the best recruiting class ever. Which is why I keep telling people NIL does not matter as much as you think it does. Coaching is still king. Nick Saban is not the best. Alabama is not the best because of the recruits. Nick Saban is the best because of the culture that he provides and has built. If you gave Nick Saban the exact recruiting class that Jimbo Fisher got, A, Alabama would have the exact same success they have right now and be in a position to be in a national championship game, or B, Alabama would have the exact same success right now and be in a position to win a championship game, but all those guys would have been run out before the year. I've seen a lot of people say, well, that's what happens when you focus on talent and not character. Well, you know what? Sometimes you have to go get a guy with a few red flags and then coach him to be a good man. I mean, that's that happens a lot. People out here just talking about, well, you have to recruit great character. Well, sometimes you just provide great character. Sometimes you go get the rough background and give him a stable, loving environment that he can succeed in, that he can excel in. Now, you don't want a whole recruiting class full of red flags. But in my opinion, this recruiting class that AM got was not just chock full of bad character. AM's program has zero culture, and Jimbo has never been able to provide that. I mean, we talk a lot about coaches who were great because of one player and then never really did much else. Josh McDaniels comes to mind. He's left New England twice and only ever been great with Tom Brady. Maybe it wasn't Josh McDaniels, guys. You look at Gus Malzahn, the only time he's ever been really successful in his career, he had a guy named Cam Newton in college. Jimbo Fisher's the same way. And a lot of people don't look at Jameis Winston like that. But Jameis Winston is a program-changing player at the college level. He won Jimbo Fisher two national championships. Well, a was really good in the COVID year. Yeah. And? But well, they beat Alabama last year. And? They've got 10 players either in the portal or transferring or suspended. They're falling apart. They lost to App State and couldn't handle it. Well, they were competitive with Alabama. And Texas A&M is imploding. You've seen the culture that Texas has. I mean, if you keep losing over and over and over and over in second halves, it's not because of a lack of talent. You're getting leads. There's no way that Texas should have lost in Lubbock in the second half. I'm sorry. There's no way. They took the ball out of B. John Robinson's hands and then he fumbled at the end. That game shouldn't have even been in overtime. Credit to Joey McGuire and the culture for making it happen, for the grit, the determination. The fire that you play with at the end. The decisions that are made. I mean, we said it at the time that was a culture win. But for Texas, that was a culture loss. A couple of more texts here from the text line. Dallas doesn't have the offense to be thinking about going all in. Well, that's why you would try to go get some offensive pieces to go all in. I, and That's what I literally said. By the way, what is it that wins championships? Defense? You can be a very adequate offense in the NFL and win a championship because your defense is that good. It's happened recently. Uh, this off the text line, my first favorite football player was Brandon Carter at Texas Tech. Yeah, you can keep that going. Who is your face first favorite football player, first favorite Texas Tech athlete? Uh, whatever you want to do. I'll give you mine on the other side of this break. Brandon Carter was a great one, though. He uh, The kids loved him. Uh, a because he was fiery b because the face paint the face paint was awesome i'll give you my favorite football player grown up when i come back i've got a couple a couple different versions it's the rob bro on talk one 3.9 news money sports Welcome back. The final segment of The Rob Rose Show. Uh, this off the text line Who's the better coach, Jimbo or Sark? Hmm. I mean. Who's the better coach, Jimbo or Sark? If I was hiring an offensive coordinator, I would hire Steve Sarkeesian. I don't think I would hire Jimbo Fisher for anything. Um, I would not hire Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach, but if I needed an offensive coordinator, I do think that he is a better football coach than Jimbo. Hmm. I don't. Neither worth the paycheck though. Uh, Hey, bro, are we still the toughest, hardest-working, most competitive team in the country? I think you're working toward that here at Texas Tech. You certainly have been in a few games this year. I don't think you were in Stillwater. I thought Oklahoma State was tougher than you at the end. You have been in the Jones, though. And again, I, I think that's a mindset that you work for. I don't think you're ever there. And as long as that's the mindset you're working toward, I think you're you're in good hands. Uh, Is it paying dividends on and off the field? Yes. While it seems all the other programs in the state and the rest of the Big 12 are crumbling in a matter of a couple of months, uh, not all of them. TCU's not crumbling yet. Uh, But point taken and well-deserved here for some Big 12 programs like Oklahoma... Kansas falling apart after a 5-0 start, which some of us predicted. Uh, and then the conversations we've been having about Texas and Texas A&M. Yeah, I think so. I think Joey Maguire has provided a better culture than Texas and Texas A&M. Mostly because Joey Maguire, I thought, was a better fit than either of those goobers at either of those programs. I did not understand the Steve Sarkeesian hire. I didn't. I don't think it's going to work out. And I guess I got the Jimbo Fisher hire, but I don't really know what... I... Has AM ever had the perfect coach that really fit that program? Because what is that program? I mean, you look back at Mack Brown. He was the perfect coach for the University of Texas. I think you look at a guy like Joey McGuire, or even back to Spike Dykes, that is the perfect West Texas head coach. In my opinion, now will it work out? I don't know. You might be at the peak of the Joey McGuire era. I don't think so. But you've seen the the height of Texas under Mac Brown. I think you've seen some really good cultural fits with head coaches at Texas Tech. But right now, in this current era, who's the perfect coach for Texas A&M? What does that look like? I I just... I can't give you a name for a coach that would be great at Texas A&M. Actually, I do have one. I don't think you would like it, though. Because that is a place you don't really have to recruit to. Uh, they just come. So maybe a great offensive coach that doesn't like recruiting could go back to AM and and be successful as a head coach in the SEC. But I, but I don't know. I, I don't know what the perfect fit there is. I'm not going to say his name. Uh, The Bad Rap Bears will be highly motivated to give the Red Raiders their first home loss of the season because, A, they're recruiting rivals, and, 2, they would like to punish a former Baylor assistant. Now, there's a lot of guys on the staff from Baylor. A lot. uh, Three at least. Four, five, six, five. Five or six guys from the Baylor staff last year that have come with Joey. And obviously including Joey. Uh, But the rest of it, I think every Big 12 team could say that about the Big 12. (laughs) I I think every, every Big 12 team, maybe not Oklahoma and Texas, but the rest of them, they are your recruiting rivals. I think Oklahoma State for sure, Baylor for sure, TCU for sure. Uh, But also with the two things you just mentioned, I think Texas Tech has a really strong motivation to beat Baylor. You know, Joey hasn't said this, but I wonder what he feels about not being promoted instead of Matt Rule when it seemed like the locker room really wanted them to. Uh, Joey McGuire equals stability, consistency, and passion. Three good things in a college football program. Uh AM had good old RC Slocum. And then right after that, uh R.C. Slocum was the perfect head coach for Texas AM. Sark was a poor fit in Austin. Yeah, I think so. Is sorry is a poor fit. But how long ago was R. C. Slocum? And again, I think R. C. Slocum was a fit then, but I think AM has changed a lot in the last decade and a half. Who today? Could walk into this current a and program As a perfect fit I, I don't know And I'm not going to say who I th- was thinking of That's kind of a slight to both of them And the other guy still has a job uh, This text To finish the show Matt Rule is the perfect fit for AM. Uh, maybe so do they make smocks in maroon? Maybe we'll find out. And I, I don't know that Jimbo will be fired. I think Jimbo probably has a few more years because of his buyout. And I think they could still have some success. And maybe he bought enough success last year. But if this entire recruiting class leaves, I don't know. All right, we'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. for Ryan Hyatt's Raiderland with myself. That happens every weekday. It's a bandwagon Wednesday tomorrow, so get your bandwagons ready. Then after that, we'll have another hour of the Rob Bro Show where we'll talk. I've been Rob Bro. I hope to continue to be Rob Bro. We'll see you tomorrow.